Welcome everyone to the Health, Happiness and Planet podcast, where we explore different ways to boost your well-being, live a more fulfilling life and protect our planet. This podcast is sponsored by Wave Business Excellence Footprint, the digital training company that cares about your development and the well-being of our environment. You can find the courses for employees and managers under our website www.wave-bef.com. In today's episode, we are going to speak about how to achieve the balance between breath, mind, body and soul to have a healthier and happier life. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my amazing guest, Fleur Conway, who is from England and lives in Spain, enjoying lots of sun and nature. All her life has been about having a deep connection to nature, understanding the natural laws and finding balance within herself and all aspects of her life. Over the years, she has gained much knowledge and experience in many areas of health and well-being for animals and for people by focusing on the emotional, physical and spiritual aspects. She is a Buteco method breathing instructor, an oxygen advanced instructor, low pressure fitness trainer, emotional life coach, Bachflower therapist and Fleur collaborated and co-authored with other professionals to create a book called Well-Being for Children, a handbook for parents to support the emotional well-being of their children. Further, she collaborated with a yoga teacher and created short stories for children where she talks about yoga, asanas and breathing. In her work, she has a strong focus to help children with dysfunctional breathing and women who are going through the menopause transition. Overall, Fleur's aim is to help us find our balance in all aspects of our life by focusing on breath, body, mind and soul using easy and accessible tools. I am thrilled to introduce you to this amazing guest, Fleur. Welcome, Fleur, to our show, Health, Happiness and Planet. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm really excited to see where this conversation is going to lead us. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing when I saw your background because I was researching in the last 15 years, what are the things that can energize people? What are the things that make people happy? What are the things we need to do to have a longer life and a happier life? Because not necessarily having a long life is a good life because many people can live long, but could be very ill and, and suffering and have ailments. So that's also for me the goal when I do get old then I would really love to have quality type of uh, living. And, and that's why we came across your profile where we were looking at the breath work. And that's something that's so amazing. And I'm very curious to find out what is your story and your journey? How did you get to where you are today? And how did you find your passion? Or did your passion find you? How did that function? <laughs> Oh my God. So have you got a week or so <laughs> to be able to listen to how have I arrived to where I am now? Really, my background is the animal world. Okay, so I started off as a veterinary nurse with my own veterinary clinic uh, together with my ex-husband, who is a vet. So all my life really has been about animals and about nature. Wow. Okay, so it's like, how on earth have you ended up now doing breathing and breathing re-education? Okay, so all my life has been about animals. And they are actually my true teachers in life, animals and nature. But while I was working as a veterinary nurse and in my own veterinary clinic, 
Although we were doing conventional, normal veterinary medicine, I also noticed that animals had a lot of behavior issues and emotional issues. So this is where I started going into complementary medicine, alternative medicine. So for instance, this is where it led me to bark flower therapy. And I also did sound therapy, worked with essential oils to be able to work on those areas where conventional, normal medicine doesn't reach. You know, that you come to a point where medicine just comes to a brick wall in a certain way. But of course, when I was working with the animals and especially with their behavior issues, the behavior issues would actually feed back and would be caused by the owner's emotional issues. So then to be able to work with the animal, I'd also have to work with the human, <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the yeah. two-legged animal. <laughs> so I started going deeper and deeper into the human psychology. We are the way that we think, our emotional management. So then I went into coaching. I trained in bark flower therapy and I trained in the bark flower therapy through the official school in England. I did it here in Spain, but I did it through the official school in England. And bark flower therapy, although bark flowers, they're not essential oils, they're remedies that we put into water and they help balance emotions. We do need to dive into emotions and the emotions that we can feel throughout our lives. So basically, I was going down the deep emotional route which then led me into life coaching, emotional intelligence. I was studying also about myself. I went through a very hard time where my sister passed away, which sort of led me into a very, very, very deep, dark hole. And the bark flower remedies actually helped me come through that. But I also had to do, you know, a lot of self-healing, a lot of work myself to be able to come out of that deep, deep hole. Yeah, I went through a lot of process myself, and that deep process also led me to a major life change, which also led me to a divorce, and I started working with people. So because I divorced, so then my working with animals was with my ex-husband, so when I divorced, it sort of separated me from working with animals. So life and this life change sort of led me to work with people. And because I'd been through all that process myself and everything that I'd learned, it helped me help other people. And especially going through those, you know, major life changes, divorces, trauma, because I could relate to that. And then working on myself, I also noticed that we can't really separate our emotions from our thoughts, from our body, from our physical movement. There's also our nutrition. So we can't separate emotional balance away from the body. So this is where I also wanted to learn a lot more about the body, the movement, which led me, for instance, to low pressure fitness. And low pressure fitness, it's a fitness regime. There's a lot of posture re-education. We also work a lot with the diaphragm. So there's also breathing re-education. And we work on abdominal vacuums and hypopressives, neurodynamic movements. So it's very, very, very complete. But whilst I was learning the low pressure fitness, and we were talking about breathing re-education, how we breathe, I was thinking, okay, this is very good while we're doing the fitness regime, while we're doing low pressure fitness, while we're practicing right now, or for instance, when we're doing yoga or we're doing Pilates, we're all very conscious of our breathing. 
but what happens with our breathing the rest of the time. So this is how I got into Oxygen Advantage, the Buteco method, and basically that is where I am at at the moment. And I'm also living off-grid, which is quite an interesting <laughs> story as well. So how did I get yes. to this point here as well? So I don't know whether you want me to go into that aspect as well. I think that would be also quite interesting to hear because if I think about how many people in Europe live off-grid, I would probably just take a wild guess it's below 1%. I haven't a clue. I really don't know. Okay, so how did I get to this point of living off-grid? During my life, actually, I've lived off-grid quite a few times. When my parents came out to Spain, because, yeah, I'm originally, I'm English. I was born in England and my parents are English as well. But I came out to Spain when I was roughly around three years old. So I've basically lived in Spain all my life. I went back to England when I was about 10, 11. I went to boarding school, but then I came back to Spain. So basically, although I'm English, I do feel very much Spanish as well. And when I speak Spanish, everybody yeah. thinks that I'm Spanish as well. <laughs> so when my parents moved out, we actually moved out from England and we moved into a finca. You know, in the Spanish countryside, there was no electricity and there was no water. There was no mains water. So at that point, we actually lived off grid. We had a generator. And I remember my father pulling up water from the well and we were using that for inside the house. And then, you know, he put a pump in and we had batteries and everything was a little bit more functional. But we actually did live off grid then for quite a while. And I remember coming back from school and getting out of the car with my dad and having to go up to the generator shed and turning on the generator. And then, you know, coming back home and into the house and seeing that we had the lights on, etc., etc. But then we had the electricity, mains electricity and mains water. So that was when I was younger. My mother actually lives right now off-grid as well in the Alicante region. She has solar panels, batteries, generator, and she has water delivered and she collects rainwater as well. And how did I end up living where I am, which is in a lovely valley surrounded by olive trees? We live near a lovely mountain in Tarragona province. A few years ago, My now partner, Gabriel and I, who he's an osteopath and a physiotherapist, we decided we wanted to change our life completely and we wanted to go to a more simpler life. So the idea was to actually to move to Panama. Wow. That's where my parents live. <laughs> Fantastic. Whereabouts in Panama? They live directly in Panama City. Right. My dad, he's still traveling a lot, so he needs to be quite close to the airport. <laughs> well, we actually, we've been over to Panama a few times and we actually loved Panama. Yeah, I was also very positively surprised by the city. Yeah, I mean, we're not so much city people. We traveled along the, the Pacific coast and there are some amazing places, amazing places. Sometimes you think it's untouched still. No? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That was our goal. Yeah. We were going to go and live in Panama. Anyway, we got everything sorted. We got everything prepared. We went over to Panama just before COVID hit. We came back from Panama because we went over to Panama to say, right, okay, where are we going to move to, to pinpoint? Yeah. 
But when we got off the plane, we started seeing people dressed up, sort of, you know, like astronauts, all the COVID gear on and whatever. And then the lockdown started. So it got to a point where it's like, okay, I don't think I want to move to Panama right now because I don't know what the situation is going to be like. I have two children, they're adults, but it was like, I don't want to go and live in Panama where I don't know whether I'm going to be able to get back on a plane if anything happens with my children and I've got to get back here or with my parents or my brother, etc., etc. So for a year or something, we were sort of a little bit like in limbo of like, you know, well, what are we going to go? Are we not going to go? What are we going to do? Whatever. So we were looking at places inland of Alicante region, Valencia region, Castellón, and we ended up Tarragona area. And actually my stepsister, she lives here, literally just up the lane from me. Wow. <laughs> and she said, well, why don't you rent somewhere whilst you're looking? And this is where we are right now. Fascinating. And we're living off grid in this wonderful house. We collect the rainwater. Mm -hmm. We have solar panels. We also have a little windmill. We make our own olive oil. So we pick the olives by hand from the olive trees. We make our olive oil. I also pick and harvest some of the plants around here as well and make my own creams and lotions and potions and things like that as well. That's so amazing. <laughs> so that's sort of like behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think also that extra movement that you get by living in such a place, I would say any traditional person who goes to work every day and the nine to five job, they are not so mobile and they don't move their bodies as much as a person who's maybe living off the grid and has to do a lot of things manually or if you're doing for example you mentioned your olive oil and all of that is additional movement that you're giving your body which is pretty good for the body because the body is made to move and not made to be sitting still in one position and that's why I was very interested when you also mentioned that you were studying about body posture and what I've discovered in the past is that there's not a really bad posture they say the only thing that's bad is if you're too long in one specific posture that's the bad thing yeah you could be a little bit hunchback but just don't be hunchback like for one hour if, if you're going to look one direction you don't have to look that one direction for 30 minutes always your body has to be moving and that's why you have all these articulations and all the different ways of, of moving your body because it's meant to move and not to be just stuck in one position if you're going to be i would say sitting on the sofa for two hours watching a movie then that's also not that ideal yeah. even though you are in a halfway maybe optimal position but it's still not good because you're just not moving around <laughs> yeah this is the thing isn't it i mean to have a perfect posture like from the book that is extremely difficult i think the most important is that your body is functional so we all have a different posture pattern mm -hmm. because of our anatomy yeah but what we all want to achieve is to have a posture that is functional for us Living off-grid, actually, you know, a lot of people say, oh, wow, it's amazing, it's fantastic. But as you say as well, there is a lot of work involved. I mean, for instance, we collect our wood and we do our own chopping up the wood. And that is also a lot of work. Yeah. When it's pouring with rain, we're actually in a drought, which is a bit of a problem as well. We have to make sure that everything is connected to collect all the water and we have to get the tractor and we have to move things here and there. So there is actually quite a lot of physical activity, as you say. But also, on the other hand, there are quite a lot of people as well that do live off grid, that do do a lot of manual work. Their body does suffer. Mm. 
So again, it's having that competent, functional body that can have a good posture and can work properly for the work that we want to ask from it. I have so many questions because you went through this whole timeline of the different phases in your life. And for each phase, I got a couple of questions for that. I got a couple of questions for that. <laughs> it's, uh, but let me just start maybe with one of the remarks that I just had as the first impression when you were explaining about how you started, where you were learning about animals. When I was working for many, many years in the corporate world, I was just in that bubble, just like most people when they are living and working every day in the corporate life. But then I also changed my life. I came with my wife to Spain just to change our life, to also be healthier and just to change everything by 180 degrees. And one of the first things we did, we got ourselves a dog from a shelter. That was our first dog. And we were just so amazed to see how this little creature can communicate with us and how we can communicate with this dog without even speaking, just with eye contact. And we were so astonished and and so shocked just to realize what kind of communication can go on between a person and an animal. Then later on, we were even realizing the way this creature is doing certain things. We could actually learn from that as human beings. We would be a much kinder planet if we would be doing a lot of things for what he is doing. And from there on, I started started expanding our thoughts. We were just focusing on one dog right here. What is it about the other animals that are out there? And then we started observing then the birds. We started observing anything that is alive around us. It's just expanded so many other questions in our head. And that's where we also started doing more research. And I think we were going more or less into a total different way of thinking to the way how we thought a couple years back. So that I just wanted to say as a remark to your part of the story where you started working with animals. And that's why I find that very interesting. And I will go to the question where you mentioned that um, having balance between your breath, your mind, your body and your soul to have a healthier and happier life. How do you define that? Because many times people think, oh, health, they just see it very superficial. They say, okay, just eat better and you're going to live until you're 100. But actually, there are many more things to that. That's why I was very curious. When you put these different aspects together, how did you actually come to these aspects and and how do you see that as contributors to really make us happier? That's what I put into place for myself. Our breath really is the most important function of our body. It's the first thing we do when we come into this life and it's the last thing we do when we leave this life. For instance, when I get into a stressful situation, if I do a breathing exercise to manage that stressful situation, it's how is the quality of my breath every day, every night, from the moment I'm born, from the moment I die? How good is the quality of my breath? Is my breath fast? Is my breath slow? Is my breath make me go into a fight-flight stress mode? Or is my breath balanced? And is my breath optimum for my metabolic needs, for my body's needs, you know, for my body and my brain? So that's, for instance, where the breath comes in. Mm -hmm. Our mind, our thoughts, our thoughts feed into our emotions. And we are thinking beings. I mean, I don't know about animals because we can't communicate with animals. We can't say, okay, can you tell me whether you are thinking? They definitely feel and they are emotional beings as well. But to what extent they think about life, I don't think they do because they have a much simpler way. And when I say simple, I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean it in a positive sense. Their way of interacting with life is so much more simpler 
and is so much more natural. So we are thinking beings, but if we can use our thoughts to create whatever we want in our life, whatever we want to convey, whether it's education, whether it's through our speech, through communicating with other beings, with other people, with animals or whatever. But the trouble with our thoughts is that they can go into a negative phase and then they can block us. They can bring us into a stressful mode. They can bring us into a fearful mode. They can stop us in our communication with life itself. We have so many emotions. We are emotional beings, but we can get stuck in our emotions as well. Instead of understanding our emotions and saying, okay, I'm feeling angry right now. Yes, I'm angry. Okay, anger is part of our emotional field, our emotional energy, our emotional state. Well, that's fine, but we just have to let go of anger. I'm in a happy moment. I feel happy. And then the next minute, I feel guilty because whatever I didn't do and I wanted to do and I feel guilty. Okay, it's just part of our process. And it's understanding and having a balance with our thoughts and with our emotions and not clinging to neither our thoughts nor our emotions. And then as you were saying, it's very important our body because our body is what is giving us the ability to be able to experience this life. So our body is like our vehicle in this plane on this earth. So we also have to look after our body, but we have to look after our body not so it looks pretty or because we look thin, so it will be functional. How do we feed our body? It's not only nutrition, it's also what we drink, but it's also what we think, it's also what we feel, and it's definitely how we breathe and how we move. So that is how I sort of link it all together. You know, we can't really separate one thing from another, because otherwise there will be a gap. Yeah, so that's like that holistic view, the whole way of being a healthier being, yeah, of a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From all those aspects you were talking about, the one that was most shocking was about the breath because myself, I was very much into thought management. I was very aware early in life how to manage my thoughts and how to just knock off the bad ones and keep on with the good ones. Also the emotions. I was very aware of my emotions and I could uh, feel when I was getting away from, I would say, my default mode. I'm a very happy and jolly person. And every time I would move away from that default mode, if I would suddenly feel um, irritated or maybe uncomfortable, I would right away identify it and try to figure out what is actually the root cause. Why am I feeling now uncomfortable? And I I would just try to catch it very, very early so I can then get the root cause, fix it and get back to my bubbly and happy uh, default mode. But then when I saw the uh, topics about breathing, that's something I've never (laughs) thought about before because people take it for granted because it's just right there in front of us and we just think that, oh, I must be breathing fine because uh, nobody ever spoke about it growing up and nobody would taught us about that in school. The only time when I was in contact or when I think people are in contact with breathing is perhaps if they go to the yoga studio and they do some breathing. And I can remember the first time when I did yoga many years ago, it was the first time I actually did some kind of deep breathing. I think before that, I probably barely did a deep breath. Maybe when I was yawning, that was about it perhaps. Yeah. But then when I started with that uh, first yoga session, I remember that when I was done with that session, 
I felt I was just on a different planet. I never was drunk before in my life, but I think that was the feeling of being drunk because I never had so much oxygen in my body. And then I was driving home and I was just like singing along with the music and I was just in a totally different world. And then I was thinking, wow, that's just so amazing that just by doing that breath work at that yoga class made such a big difference in the way how I felt. And that's where I would like to ask you that question. How does, does it make such an impact uh, on a person's body? And what would be the ideal way to breathe if one is thinking about longevity and wants to have the proper way of breathing so that you're not so often in this fight or flight mode and that you can be more re resilient to everything that's happening to us throughout life? One of the first and major things with breathing is that we should be breathing through our nose. Okay, our mouth is for eating, for talking, for drinking, for laughing, for kissing, but our nose is for breathing. Our nose is part of our respiratory tract. And there's over 30 functions for our breathing. Wow. And the mouth has none. <laughs> so yes, this is not taught. So this, for instance, is one of the things that I'm aiming at is to try to get it into school so teachers and all the staff that work in with children are aware of this, of the importance of breathing through the nose and not through the mouth. So we have lots of people that breathe in and out through the mouth. And when we breathe in and out through the mouth, we are bypassing those 30 functions that the nose has for our respiratory tract. And that means that our nose, our upper respiratory tract, is connected to our lungs, to our lower respiratory tract. So it's all connected. So whatever happens up here will happen down here. And whatever happens here will also happen here. But also the way that we breathe will either put us into a fight-flight mode, a stress mode, or it can put us into a relax-digest mode. So we will be in a more sympathetic mode or parasympathetic mode. So when we are breathing through our nose, we will be having filtered air, the air will be moistured, the temperature will be regulated. And so when it goes into our lungs, then this air will be adapted to what our lungs need. But we will also be breathing slower, lower, which means that we will have be recruiting the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is our main breathing muscle. Our diaphragm lies in our chest area, within sort of like the lower ribs. And the diaphragm also has a function for our posture, okay, because it's attached to the spine. And it also has a pump action on our digestive system. So if we're not breathing properly either, if we're not breathing through our nose and breathing low, slow, and deep, when I mean deep, I don't mean big breaths, but I mean bringing in the air and bringing it down to the lower lobes of the lungs and also moving the diaphragm, then the diaphragm, it moves a little bit like a jellyfish. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when we breathe in, it sort of flattens out a bit. And then when we breathe out, it comes back up into sort of like a dome shaped. So while it's doing this, it's also helping to stabilize the spine but also having that pump action on all our digestive system that lies just underneath the diaphragm. So it also helps get all the blood circulating, the lymphatic drainage, etc., etc. But also one of the things as well that's not really talked about much is that when we breathe out through our mouth, 
we also get rid a lot of carbon dioxide. And there's a lot of talk about carbon dioxide being this really nasty gas and, you know, with the climate change. And But actually, carbon dioxide, when it comes to our breathing, it can be even more important than oxygen because it depends on the levels of carbon dioxide in our lungs and in our bloodstream that will help deliver oxygen to our tissues, to our brain, to our muscles. So I'm not going to go in too in too deep because otherwise we will need another <laughs> like three hours here. But if we are breathing through our mouth, then we get rid of too much carbon dioxide, which actually provokes that we have less oxygen delivery. So by breathing more, it doesn't mean that we will have more oxygen delivery. We actually have to breathe less but we have to have an optimal breathing pattern, 24-7. So that means breathing through the nose, breathing low with our diaphragm, and breathing slow and gentle. So what would be the optimal breathing pattern? A light breath, where we don't hear our breathing. When, for instance, the air is coming in and out through our nostrils and we can hardly feel it, so we don't really want to have a lot of resistance. Yeah. where the breath is low, so the air that comes in through our nose will go down to the lower lobes of our lungs, so that's where the gas exchange takes place, and we want our breathing to be slow. So, for instance, if we are in a stress mode, how would we breathe? How would you breathe if you were stressed? If I think back when before I had to give a presentation in the office, probably my breath it used to speed up a bit, Yeah, so I used to... And now I just realized I was breathing with my mouth at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if I imitate right now what you were doing, you, you just went like this. Yeah. So where is the breath going? In the upper chair. Yeah. And I'm breathing through my mouth. So I'm bypassing the nose, but also the breath stays up in the higher area. And there's not enough gas exchange here. So this is why it's so important to breathe through our nose and to bring the air gently down. So it's actually fine to see the belly uh, expand a bit yeah? because many people nowadays, they think, oh, I'm, I don't want to be showing my belly yeah? when I'm walking in the street. You know, People are always very conscious how they look and they try to go to the gym to reduce the belly and then say, oh, what about breathing? Is it okay to expand the belly when we are breathing in? The belly has to expand. It has to expand because when we breathe in, the air is coming into the thorax. It's coming into the lungs, so the thorax has more pressure that's coming in here, so it pushes down on the diaphragm. Then the belly, as the diaphragm comes down, so then the belly does come out a little bit more because then there's more pressure in the abdomen from the movement of the diaphragm. And then when we exhale, the abdominal muscles help as well with the exhale to push the diaphragm back up to push the air out of the lungs. So there does have to be a movement of the abdomen. Yeah. So this is also what we learn, for instance, like, you know, in low pressure fitness is to have a competent abdomen. So we want the abdominal muscles have their function, help to keep all our organs in place. The abdominal muscles also help us move side to side forwards and backwards as well. But the abdominal muscles help as well with the breathing to bring back the rib cage back into its resting position and also to help push out the diaphragm back up so the air can come out. 
So we can't be complete all the time restraining our belly in because otherwise we are restricting our breathing. And this is what happens with people when they're holding in their belly because they want to look nice and thin, which actually isn't very natural. Again, let's look at animals. Yeah. You know, when they breathe, their belly moves in and out and in and out. And that is actually how we should be breathing. Again, if we look at a cat breathing, we would see that the cat has the mouth closed. If we saw a cat breathing through their mouth, we would think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that cat? When we see a dog breathing through the mouth, it's because they are hot. So it's a way that they regulate their temperature. But if a dog is panting at night when they're not hot, we would think there's something wrong with this dog because he's breathing through its mouth. Well, it's the same with people. We shouldn't be breathing through our mouth. The thing with breathing, I don't really do breath work. What I do, it's training. It's breathing re-education. So I help people have a good breathing pattern during the day and during the night as well because it affects our sleep patterns, it affects our stress levels, our digestive system, our pain threshold, it affects whether we are resilient, it will um, affect our sports performance, academic performance, For instance, in the corporate world where you've come from as well, the way somebody breathes is going to also affect if we have to give a presentation, if we have to speak in public. So our breathing actually affects absolutely everything. For a woman, our breathing also changes through our monthly cycle. And also as well, when we come up to the menopause, our breathing can also change. And if I even think about it a level further, I'm just trying to put some puzzle pieces together and you can tell me if my thought patterns are correct or not. Because every piece of our body is made up of cells. Everywhere is the cells and these cells are always replicating. There we have old cells that are dying away, new cells are being created. And after a specific time frame, you have at the end a brand new organ, you have a brand new body because these are all these brand new cells that just created. And if you're creating the replication of your new cells under, I would say, a lack of oxygen because you're not breathing properly, then they cannot replicate in such high quality as the previous cell. Yeah, so that automatically would tell me that if I'm not breathing right and I'm actually oxygen deficient for my cells, then I'm actually getting much, much sooner older or, or maybe I'm just not helping my body to thrive and to be healthy. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of biohacking right now. There's a lot of movement of all different things. Loads of people taking a lot of supplements. Loads of people are doing things that maybe are from outside, going to retreats, doing this, doing the other, etc, etc. But one of the things that we are doing permanently, because otherwise we would be dead, is breathing. So why don't we breathe in an optimal way that we are giving our body the oxygen that it needs? People seem to think that, you know, breathing, it's when I'm doing an exercise. It's not. We need to be breathing optimally 24-7. And then there we do have specific exercises and we can train a little bit stronger and in a different way. For instance, if it's somebody who's going to be singing, somebody who's going to be playing an instrument somebody who's going to be giving a big conference, a sports, high athletes, etc., etc., then, yes, of course, I mean, it's, it's the same as, you know, like the police force. Mm-hmm. 
If that policeman who has a gun is not breathing properly and his breathing is keeping him in a stress mode, in a fight-flight mode, and that policeman is confronted with somebody, he's not in that coherent place when we breathe in an optimal way. We can be in that balanced, autonomic nervous system is balanced. Mm -hmm. Then that policeman can act out of order because he's already in that fight and flight mode because of his breathing pattern. Oh, that really puts me back to think 20 years ago when I had to give my first presentation. I was so off with my breathing that I could not even remember anymore what was my presentation about. I already knew I practiced for it. I knew that I knew my slides and the, and the lines. But as soon as I got on stage, I could already feel that I was almost fainting. My legs were like jelly. And I was thinking, what am I actually presenting here today? And I think if I would have had a nice coherent breathing pattern to keep me calm and relaxed, then I would not have gone in that state of panic. Yeah. When we have a balanced breathing pattern, we are already in a balanced mode, okay? So when we're, for instance, we're going to do a presentation, we can tap in to our breath. We can bring our mind and connect to our breath. And then by doing that, we are coming into the moment. We are coming into the now. But we are also giving oxygen to our brain. So all that electricity that goes on in our brain to keep that information that we need to be able to give out for our presentation, it's all there. But we are in that balanced state because we have come in, we've honed in to ourselves and we've come into the now. Yeah. So then when we go out to that presentation, we are there totally present and with oxygen in our brain and to be able to access all that information. You see, it's coming into those balanced states, but we have to start off by having a balanced breathing pattern. Because if during the night we're breathing in a bad way, or during the day we're breathing in a bad way, and then we want to give a presentation, and we want to access that coming in, that homing in, we won't be able to access it. Or we will access it, but it will only be for a few seconds because our natural breathing pattern is going to take over and we will automatically go into that fight-flight mode again. And are there exercises that people can do when they are aware to say, oh, I'm getting now in a tense situation. Maybe one sees that there is something going on in the street and you know that I need to maybe get away from that situation, but they're already noticing that their breathing is changing and how do they keep calm? Is there any recommendation? Yeah, well, this is one of the things, for instance, if somebody doesn't have an optimal breathing pattern from baseline. So, for instance, when there's a situation, I don't know, they've seen an accident and they get a bit in, into a panic mode, their breath is automatically going to come higher, like we saw before. Yeah. So they're going to be start breathing through their mouth and with their upper chest. But their brain is going to go into overdrive. So if you say to that person, bring your mind into your breathing, They won't be able to do that because their mind is all over the place and fright has taken over. So what we have to do to be able to bring balance to the autonomic nervous system and to come into that relax, digest mode, the parasympathetic mode, is we have to prolong the exhalation. But for somebody who's in that fight-flight mode that's really strong and they're completely out of balance and they've lost control, You can't tell them, have a long exhale. 
they can't do it. It's impossible for them. So we have what we call is an emergency exercise. So basically what it is, is that we inhale, a natural, normal inhale that that person would be doing, through the nose, out through the nose, and then without taking a breath in, we pinch the nose closed, and we count for three seconds. And then we let go, and then we carry on breathing in and out through the nose for like half a minute, and then we will repeat once again. So it would be inhale, exhale, hold, three, two, one, let go, breathe naturally in and out through the nose for half a minute to a minute, and then once again, inhale, exhale, hold, one, two, three, let go, inhale. So when we're holding after the exhale, it's like a prolonged exhale. So this is allowing the CO2 to rise in the body, which also has a relax effect and also helps for that oxygen to be delivered to the tissues and also to the brain. And it will also help bring balance to the autonomic nervous system. If that person is really sort of in that fight-flight mode and they can't bring their attention to their breath, by doing those small retentions that we can do like three seconds and then we can move up to five seconds, it's like doing a prolonged exhalation and that will help bring balance to the autonomic nervous system and bring them back into that parasympathetic mode. Okay, thanks for that tip. That's really very interesting. How do you deal with, for example, in the springtime, there are a lot of people who have allergies. How can they improve the way of breathing? Many of those people, they will actually start breathing through their mouth because they say, hey, it's all clogged up here in the top. There's no other way to get the air in. Uh, what is your recommendations on that? This is the thing as well, is what started the allergies? Okay, so there can be a lot of components of why the allergies started. And sometimes allergies can also come because they're not breathing through their nose. So if they have a breathing pattern where they breathe through their mouth, they are also bypassing the filtering action that the nose has. And the less we use the nose, the worse it functions, the worse it becomes. The more we breathe through the nose, the better it works. So with people that have rhinitis, have allergies, etc., we do have an exercise to decongest the nose. Mm -hmm. But we also have to know whether that person has any health issues, what is their background. Whenever we're doing a breathing re-education, we want to know a little bit about the background of that person. Yeah. But we do have specific exercises to help the person decongest the nose, but also we can use nasal dilators, and we can also use nasal strips which, for instance, if you just sort of like pull your, like the side of your nose apart, you will see that your nostrils become wider, so you will be able to breathe more through your nose. And the more we breathe through our nose, the better our nose works. Fantastic. I did have that issue before. I think when I turned 18, 19, I had a lot of allergies. And it went through all the way till I was in my 30s. And when I started doing that change in my lifestyle, and we tried out with a plant-based diet, with a vegan diet. And as soon as I left away all of the dairy and meat products, suddenly I'm like, wow, my allergies are getting less and less. And I think the first year where I was plant-based, probably 
70% of my allergies disappeared. Then the second year, it was maybe like 85%. So today I'm already like 10 years plant-based. And now in the, in the springtime, I sneeze once or twice a day and I'm good to go. So that's it for my allergies. But I did have those strips before. I had to use them at night because of the congested nostrils. But it was really very, very hard to sleep. But then I was so happy that I found the other path of checking out what is it that I'm putting into my body that's causing those allergies to flare up. <laughs> Well, this is the thing is as well, I mean, dairy, dairy is very mucus producing. And also we have to think of our our digestive system, our microbiome in our digestive system, but also in our oral cavity, which is directly in contact as well with our nasal cavity. So there is a lot of link between what happens in the oral cavity is also affecting the nasal cavity. Okay. I have once met a doctor many years ago and I was again in my teenagehood and he was just speaking with me and he said, oh, you probably need some kind of operation somewhere in my nose because he thinks that I'm not allowing enough air into my body because the way how the nostril is constructed. And I was just thinking, hmm, is he maybe just trying to sell me his services or is he really saying the truth? At the end, I did not do any kind of operation and I feel still pretty good, especially now that I don't have allergies. What has been your experience? Do you think that some people are born that they have to get operated in order to have a better flow of oxygen into their system? Okay, people can have anatomical issues. They can have a deviated septum, so they can be born with a crooked nose, or they might be a rugby player or a boxer or have a car accident or something, and something might happen to their nose structure, which can affect the nasal cavity. Okay, so there can be anatomical issue there. Many times when there's an anatomical issue, it's not necessary to always operate because it depends on whether we can get that the airflow that goes through is sufficient for that person to be able to breathe okay. One of the things that's very important as well is like with children, okay, we have our adenoids and we have our tonsils. They are part of our lymphatic system, so they are part of our defense system. So, for instance, when we're children, we access a lot of viruses and everything. They swell up because our body is fighting against whatever they've come across. But sometimes, if we're not aware that that child is breathing through their mouth because they've created the habit of breathing through their mouth, then that can affect how their jaws lie. And how their jaw lie and also how the tongue lies. Where is your tongue right now? It is touching the top part of my gums because I have a very deep okay. um, bite. So it somehow when I close my mouth, my tongue is touching a little bit the top of my gums. Okay. Three quarters of our tongue should be up on the roof of our mouth. Okay. So that is its natural position. So for instance, if you open your mouth now, where does your tongue go? <laughs> it falls exactly. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, for instance, in children, this is really, really important. If they breathe through their mouth, their tongue falls down. The tongue has the function to help develop the jaws. Mm. It helps open up the jaw structures. So when it helps open up the jaw structures, it helps with teeth alignment. You know, the top jaw is connected to our nasal cavity. So when this uh, maxillary is nicely developed in like a U shape, 
then there is a nice cavity for the nose. But if the child has a problem with breathing and is breathing through the mouth, which makes the tonsils much bigger, which can make the adenoids much bigger as well, then all this shrinks and then the nose shrinks as well. So then it doesn't develop properly. So then they have to have all these contractions and whatever to widen up their mouth. So yes, there can be an anatomical issue. And the anatomical issue can come from birth, can come from tongue tie, can come from bad habits, can come from some accident or whatever. But it doesn't mean that it has to be solved by surgery. And there actually has been a study that came out not long ago, um, I think a few months ago, that, for instance, people that have been studied for various, various years, I can't remember the full study right now, but it's there. Basically, what I want to say is that it's demonstrated that even if you get your tonsils and your adenoids removed, it doesn't mean that the problem is going to be solved. And many of these children that then become adults actually have problems in the future because we always have to restore proper breathing patterns. It's so amazing how it's all connected. Yeah. To talk about breathing, I mean, we could do a whole completely different section. That's right. It's amazing how time went by so fast. And I had so many other questions, but I'm sure we will probably have the opportunity in another episode to cover those other topics, especially that you have such a depth of knowledge in different topics, not only in in breathing, but in all the other topics that I've seen and what you've also mentioned in the introduction. Definitely, I would love to have you in a future show to cover those other topics as well. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah, and for today, to sum it all up, I will have probably two or three shorter questions for the final part of our episode today. So if somebody comes out of work and they're feeling drained because they just worked all those hours and are tired, they know they're driving home, they got to see their spouse and the children and they say, well, I really need some boost of energy. Is there anything that they can change in their breathing patterns so that they can just get a little bit more energy and a little bit more pushed up instead of going for a coffee? Yeah, well, one of the things that I think is extremely important is to be in contact with nature. Okay, but this doesn't mean we have to go out into the countryside. Okay, because I understand, you know, that I'm lucky I've always lived in the countryside. But you can also be in the city and you can have a park. You can have a little area where there's trees, where there's birds, where you can just sit, just be and observe observe the trees, listen to the wind rustling through the leaves, listen to the little birds singing, look at the rose that's blooming or the flowers or the birds that are flying around, the clouds in the sky. Just take that moment to connect to what is. That's beautiful. And then just quieten down the breathing. Just let the breathing relax and just be a natural breath. But I think it's important to come out of this always wanting to do, 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 and just be and connect. Well, for me, it's like that. If I'm stressed, if I just go outside or I just have to look outside or I just have to even just look at my at one plant and just be able to sort of just connect to that plant and say, wow, Look at the life in that plant. It is just being. It's not doing anything. We have to stop this doing, doing, doing and just be. Even if it's just for a minute, two, three minutes. You know, people can do this. Yeah. And if that person, if they are in a park 
and they can take their shoes off and their socks off and put their feet on the earth and just feel the earth and just let the earth also balance that energy. Yeah. Do some grounding. That's so amazing. So that's something that I also discovered in this last 15 years where I was in the search for happiness, for energy, for doing all those simple things. It's just so amazing because a lot of people go out there and marketing companies are putting things to make people believe they need to buy a specific product to be happier in life. While on the other side, they can just do things that are free of charge. You can do it immediately and it will give you 10 times more the effect. This is one of the things that, for instance, like the courses that I've put together is to be able to give those tools to people that they can access and do every day wherever they are because they've got the tools themselves and all they need is themselves you know they don't have to permanently be searching outside of themselves to be able to come into balance that is it it's simple this is where for me animals insects plants nature is my major teacher in life it's simplicity yeah and at the end of the day we are also nature and therefore when we get closer to nature as nature then we just start harmonizing and we just say hey somehow i'm starting to resonate with this yeah and before when i was a younger person i was thinking oh it's so great to be in a big city and travel to new york and seeing all that action and being where all the lights and all the movement somehow Now when I think back, no the further away I get from all of that hectic life and going more towards being in the greener place, being in the park, being out there with my dog, walking with my wife, walking barefoot, I just feel all that energy and I'd be really part of all of this. Mother Earth is just giving us all that energy and I don't need to be drinking coffee or taking a Red Bull because it's all there to our disposal. We just need to know how to use it. Yeah, it's to be rather than to do. be more and do less <laughs> so powerful <laughs> and there goes very good to our next question uh, what kind of services do you provide for your clients and where can they find you well at the moment i'm very very much focused on the breathing reeducation so i work with oxygen advantage and with the buteco method so the oxygen advantage is more for performance and for sports so it's also to regain functional breathing patterns but it's also for high altitude training so it's more orientated for the corporate world for you know the like the push driven areas and also orientated as well to men <laughs> yeah although there's a lot of women there but the men sometimes like the you know the more push 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 you know the more active 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 and the buteco method is more for people who have health issues okay. so there's specific exercises that we have to retrain the breathing patterns that are in disorder because there are health issues so that is basically what i am focusing on now a lot and especially with the buteco method and we've just had a a training with patrick mcuen here in spain we've brought him over vip to barcelona so i'm very much involved with that so i've been doing the translating and it's been brilliant because we've had doctors orthodontists physiotherapists that have attended as well so it's fantastic so we're getting now into that system yeah. as well yeah. also with the low pressure fitness helping people with their posture 
with working with the diaphragm, with hypopressives. I am also very much focused on one with the breathing with children, because I think it's extremely important that children breathe optimally for their development, not only physically, but also cognitive, because a lot of these children have problems at school, are labelled difficult children, they have learning disabilities, etc., etc., and actually it comes down to their breathing patterns, wow. but also how their face develops. But also I'm very much focused on the menopause transition, transition that I'm going through now that every woman is going to go through at some stage of their lives but it can affect us on different levels on a physical level our breathing patterns our posture fitness levels our muscle but also on a emotional and psychological so I'm very much focused on that as well so I've developed courses and I also work one-to-one and I also work in groups. Fantastic. And where can they find me? I think the easiest actually is through my Instagram, yeah. which is at core, which is C-O-R-E underscore prana, P-R-A-N-A. Yeah. Excellent. I'll be putting that into the show notes. So in case the listeners cannot at the moment write it down and they're driving yeah. or doing any other tasks, then they yeah. can just click the link on the show notes. And that was really such a lovely conversation. Thank you. Uh, well, I can say that my learning curve definitely went up in this past hour. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a joy to speak with you, Fleur. And I'm looking forward to having you again in another episode. Yes, I mean, I think there's so much that we could actually talk about um, because I'd actually like to listen about your barefoot journey. I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so we, actually that's another point as well, yeah. the barefoot. We need to also talk about barefoot. That's something exactly. else that I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So thanks for being there, Fleur, and I hope to see you soon again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. This was a lovely and eye-opening conversation. I hope this episode with Fleur has made you curious about the way we breathe and how it influences our overall well-being, health, happiness and longevity. I encourage you to pick at least one action point from today's episode and see how it positively impacts your energy. Tell me what you have tried and what outcome you have experienced and tag me on Instagram. My account is called health underscore happiness underscore planet. For me, I will be more conscious on the way I'm breathing and not have it up all in my chest area, but have my breath go deeper into my lungs where I can feel my belly extend when inhaling. And on days where there's just too much going on and I feel that my energy is getting drained out, I will take a few minutes to go out to the park and sit still while observing nature around me and get grounded. As we have learned, sometimes the free and simple things in life are the ones that gives us the biggest benefits. In the show notes, you will find all the links on where to find Fleur and how to contact her. This podcast was sponsored by Wave Business Excellence Footprint, a digital training company that cares about your career development, your personal development and the well-being of this planet we call home. On the website www.wave-bef.com, you will find a total of 22 courses. Seven of those are designed for managers and 15 courses are designed for employees who strive to become the leaders of tomorrow. 
I value your feedback and I would love to hear from you. Please rate, subscribe and share this episode with those who you think will profit from this information. Your support means the world to me and it motivates me to keep producing content that adds value to your life. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon in the next episode. Big hugs everyone.